We are now less than a week away from the solstice, which takes place at precisely 10.59 a.m. on December 21st on the eastern coast of the United States. Until then, we've got a few more days of lengthening night before the pendulum shifts back to light and the March to 22 continues with new energy. Between now and then, there will be a few installments of Charlottesville Community Engagement, and this is the one for December 16th, 2021. I'm your host, Sean Tubbs. On today's show, Brian Pinkston and Juan Diego Wade are officially sworn in as city councilors, as well as members of the Charlottesville School Board. Virginia Tech and a Richmond consortium have both been awarded half-million-dollar grants for economic development. A pair of transit updates, including the fact that Charlottesville Area Transit will remain fare-free for four years. And the Charlottesville Planning Commission provides direction on Charlottesville's next capital budget. In today's first Patreon-fueled shout-out, Code for Charlottesville is seeking volunteers with tech, data, design, and research skills to work on community service projects. Founded in September of 2019, Code for Charlottesville has worked on projects with the Legal Aid Justice Center, the Charlottesville Fire Department, and the Charlottesville Office of Human Rights. Visit codeforseville.org to learn about those projects. Let's get started today with a quick COVID update. The number of new COVID cases in Virginia continues to climb, but the percent positivity has dipped slightly today. This morning, the Virginia Department of Health reported another 3,688 new cases, and 102 of those are in the Blue Ridge Health District. Statewide, the seven-day percent positivity is 8.5%, and in the Blue Ridge Health District, it's at 7.2% today. There are still 15 days left in 2021, and City Councilors Heather Hill and Nakaya Walker have one more meeting on Monday. The near future became a little closer on Wednesday as two incoming City Councilors and three members of the Charlottesville School Board took the oath of office on the steps of the Charlottesville Circuit Court. Clerk of Court Lizelle Duggar addressed a small crowd. Your family members are welcome to stand with you when I swear you in because, you know what, you're going to need them for the next four years. (laughs) The school board went first, with newcomers Emily Dooley and Dom Morse sworn in individually with family members at their side. Second-termer Lisa Larson-Torres went next. Then it was time for city councilor-elect Brian Pinkston. I please state your name. I, Brian Russell Pinkston, do solemnly swear or affirm, do swear, that I will support the Constitution of the United States, that I will support the Constitution of the United States, and the Constitution of the Commonwealth of Virginia, and the Constitution of the Commonwealth of Virginia, and that I will faithfully, and that I will faithfully, and impartially discharge, and impartially discharge, and perform all the duties incumbent upon me, and perform all the duties incumbent upon me as a member of the Charlottesville City Council. As a member of the Charlottesville City Council. According to the best of my ability. According to the best of my ability. So help me God. So help me God. Next, Juan Diego Wade. Unfortunately, I don't have that recording. Both said they are ready to take on the task. Here's Brian Pinkston. 
Uh, you know, I, I think I'm as ready as I'll ever be. Uh, I joke that it's a little like, you know, getting married or having a kid. You, you think you know what you're getting into, but it's always not what you expected. But there's good parts and bad parts to that. And so uh, the short answer is yes. I'm ready. I'm excited about it. And I'm going to roll up my sleeves and try to make a difference. And here's Juan Diego Wade. I'm ready. I am prepared. I feel like I've been prepared for this for the last 30 years, being connected and involved in the community. I, I feel like that now is the opportunity for me to take my service and my commitment to the city to a different level. In a separate ceremony that also took place yesterday morning, the members of the Albemarle Board of Supervisors were also sworn in, including newcomer Jim Andrews, who will represent the Samuel Miller District. Andrews joined third-term supervisor Diantha McKeel and two-term supervisor Ned Galloway. They represent the Jack Jewett District and Rio District, respectively. In Tuesday's newsletter, there's a lot of information about planning for a regional transit vision that may include formation of an authority that could raise funds for expanded service. There's also a second study underway to determine the feasibility of additional routes to serve urbanized portions of Albemarle County as well as Monticello. The results are in from a survey conducted on two potential scenarios, according to Lucinda Shannon, a transportation planner with the Thomas Jefferson Planning District. They um, found that most of the services that people selected in that public outreach was um, uh, scenarios two for all three of the areas, which was um, a lot of microtransit connecting with some fixed routes. The study also found that 98% of people who travel to Monticello do so in a car that they either own or rent. That's based on 51 respondents. The U.S. 29 North Survey got 104 responses and the Pantop Survey got 54 respondents. The consultants hired for this project are Michael Baker International and Foursquare ITP. The next step is a Board of Supervisors meeting on January 19th, according to Shannon. Charlottesville Area Transit will remain fare-free for the next four years. The Virginia Department of Rail and Public Transportation awarded a $1.07 million grant through the Transit Ridership Incentive Program. CAT had already put some of the American Rescue Plan Act funding for this purpose, and the new grant covers fares for an additional year. CAT Director Garland Williams said he anticipates planned route changes will soon be implemented. The adjustments have been through the public process this year, and Williams briefed the Regional Transit Partnership at their meeting on December 2nd. Um, We're still moving forward and hoping to be able to implement in January unless something changes. Learn more about those route changes on the Charlottesville Area Transit website at catchthecat.org. In other news, Jaunt's new chief executive officer has named Karen Davis the transit agency's deputy chief executive officer. Davis served as interim CEO for exactly a year after the board asked former CEO Brad Sheffield to resign. Ted Reek started work as CEO earlier this month after heading a similar transit agency in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Two entities in Virginia have been awarded $500,000 planning grants from the federal government to increase infrastructure necessary to increase commerce and trade. 
The U.S. Economic Development Authority awarded Build Back Better Regional Challenge Awards to Virginia Tech and the Virginia Biotechnology Research Partnership Authority for initiatives that seek to create regional industry clusters. Virginia Tech's application is called The Future of Transportation Logistics and covers a wide section of southwest and southern Virginia. The idea is to accelerate the adoption of electric and automated vehicles. Here's a section from their application. Projections by the World Economic Forum expect freight demand to triple by 2050. This growing demand poses challenges from environmental degradation to a strained transportation workforce. The region around the New River Valley includes three truck manufacturers, including the national headquarters for Volvo. The work will involve building a coalition to share information, as well as demonstration projects, such as upgrading a section of Interstate 81 between Salem to Dublin to accommodate automated vehicles. The Virginia Biotechnology Research Partnership Authority covers the Richmond and Petersburg area and is intended to create an advanced pharmaceutical and research and development cluster. Here's a section from their application. A staggering 73% of Food and Drug Administration registered active pharmaceutical ingredients manufacturing facilities are located outside the United States. Overseas pharmaceutical manufacturing not only poses a security risk, but also takes essential jobs away from the United States. Both entities will now be eligible to apply for additional funding from the U.S. Economic Development Authority to implement the projects. Thanks to Route 50 for the information on this grant program. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement, and in today's second subscriber-supported public service announcement, the Charlottesville Jazz Society at seavillejazz.org is dedicated to the promotion, preservation, and perpetuation of all that jazz. And there's no time like now to find a time to get out and watch people love to play. The Charlottesville Jazz Society keeps a running list of what's coming up at seavillejazz.org. Sign up for their newsletter today. At their meeting on Tuesday, the Charlottesville Planning Commission held three public hearings on three big topics. But first, they got updates from various committees. Commissioner Jody Lehendro relayed news from the Tree Commission about the forthcoming tree canopy study. A preliminary report states that the percentage of the city covered by trees has shrunk by at least 4% since 2015. Because of COVID, the flyover for this tree canopy study was done in 2018. So it's dated now, um, and but the, 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 the news is not great, as you might imagine. Lehendro said the city had a tree canopy of 50% in 2004, and that declined to 47% in 2009. 2014, it went down to 45%, and in 2018, this latest, it's down to 40%. When you break the city down by neighborhood, 9 out of 19 recognized areas are below 40%. Lehendro said that is the point where both health and economic development is affected. And then two of our districts, Star Hill and 10th and Page, uh, are below 20%. Those are where significant detrimental effects are happening. 
Lehendro said the city is projected to lose 360 ash trees to the emerald ash borer over the next five years. The city, so far, can only afford to treat about 30 trees. The Charlottesville City Planning Commission has made its recommendations for how to amend the draft capital budget for the next five years. That came at the end of a public hearing on Tuesday that featured a discussion with city council. Elected officials will make the final decision next spring as they adopt a budget that will be prepared under the supervision of a yet-to-be-named interim city manager. The commission got a look at the information at a work session on November 23rd and heard it a second time on Tuesday from senior budget management analyst Chrissy Hamill in advance of the public hearing. To recap, the capital budget is close to capacity. That's due to the increase of potential spending in future years, including a $75 million placeholder for the reconfiguration of middle schools. Council has also authorized a reorientation of priorities to find more money for the school's project. Here's Chrissy Hamill. There were some large projects that were previously authorized um, to use bonds for that we unfunded essentially to be able to move them and to get us to a place where we could increase the $25 million for the school project. That was the West Main Street project, which was originally in the CIP plan at 18 and a quarter million and the 7th Street parking garage, which we um, unfunded about $5 million of that project. Hamill said to pay for the projects, the city will need additional revenue and will not be able to add any more capital projects for many years unless they are paid for in cash. The city has had a AAA bond rating from Standards & Poor since 1964 and from Moody's since 1973. Essentially, the AAA bond rating gives the city the opportunity to borrow money at the lowest cost available. So that means that more dollars are going towards the project and less dollars are going towards interest. Hamill said the city is in good financial shape, but funding future investments will be a struggle. At the work session, Hamill invited ideas for further reallocations from other projects. She also said that the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act will likely not be a salvation for the city. Many of us in finance have sort of been waiting in the wings to find out what um, what would be available. And it's actually not a one-size-fits-all And it also doesn't deliver on a lot of what we already have in our CIP. So it doesn't it's not going to help us address our financing problems largely. Another issue is that many of the funding sources will require local matches. She pointed out one opportunity for Charlottesville area transit could raise up to thirty seven million dollars. But the city would have to provide a two million dollar match of local funds. That's not in our current CIP. The council and the planning commission discussed many aspects of the capital budget, including whether or not several general interest line items should be given additional funds in next year's budget. Councillor Lloyd Snook questioned one of them. One example would be uh, we're we're suggesting another $200,000 for this coming year and three years beyond that for the SIA immediate implementation. uh, And that the balance in that account has been is over a million dollars and has been, as far as I can tell, over a million dollars for quite a while. Alex Ikafuna, the interim director of the Office of Community Solutions and former director of Neighborhood Development Services, said that balance has been used to pay for a $228,000 study of a form-based code for the area. 
Nolan Stout reported on February 4, 2020 in the Daily Progress about the current council's decision to put that plan on hold indefinitely. Ikafuna did also point to one other example of how the funding in the SIA account will be used. Uh, we have a, a Pollock branch a bridge, pedestrian bridge, uh, is currently uh, being finalized uh, for construction. And uh, there are several other projects uh, within the SIA that uh, could uh, consume uh, that balance. Another of them is a project to upgrade the streetscape on Elliott Avenue in an area where dozens of new homes have been built in the Burnett Commons area. The public housing site at South First Street is also expanding in residential density. Ikafuna also said that the SAA fund could also be used for additional costs that may be incurred at Piedmont Housing Alliance's redevelopment of Friendship Court. Part of the Friendship Court uh, project includes uh, infrastructure improvement because they have to break up uh, that neighborhood and then integrate that uh, uh, into the city grid and uh, they may have a cost overrun. The current year's capital budget allocated $2 million in cash for the line item of Friendship Court Infrastructure Improvements, as well as $394,841 for Phase 1 and $750,000 for Phase 2. The draft five-year capital plan anticipates spending $2.5 million on Phase 2 in fiscal year 23, and a total of $3.25 million for Phase 3 and $4.5 million for Phase 4. Council approved $5.5 million for the first phase of the project in October of 2020. You can read a story that's I wrote. There's a link to a story I wrote in the newsletter. Ikafuna also said there's a project called the Elliott Avenue Streetscape, for which a design is almost complete. Snook said Council is not given information about what any of these plans are. We don't know. I assume somebody has a plan, but it's not been not been revealed to us. So I look at uh, just the next item, small area plans. We're putting another hundred thousand dollars in. Uh, the balance for the project is four hundred ninety six thousand dollars. Outgoing city councilor Heather Hill had one suggestion for where that funding could go in July 2020. Council chose to proceed with a smart scale project over the opposition of some nearby residents and businesses. The Grady-Preston 10th intersection area um, related to one of the VDOT projects um, for smart scale funding was identified at that time as something that we would want to have more planning around because there was a lot of resistance that there wasn't a lot of community engagement when that proposed plan was coming to fruition. According to the application for the project, the preliminary engineering phase will not begin until December of 2025. There is no design for the smart scale project, which was funded on a set of parameters. Here's a couple of lines from the application. Preston Avenue will be realigned to create a consolidated intersection at Preston Avenue, Grady, and 10th Street. New sidewalks will be constructed throughout the project limits. Several commissioners expressed concern about the enormity of the school reconfiguration project. The draft plan shows $2.5 million in fiscal year 23 and $72.5 million in fiscal year 24. Hamill has previously said that the money needs to be in place when a contractor is hired for new construction and renovation of Buford Middle School. The school project has not yet come directly before the Planning Commission. Here's Commissioner Rory Stolzenberg. I mean, the amount of that project is the entirety of the five-year fiscal 17 budget. Um, it's this 
elephant in the room. Um, but it, it does seem like council and the school board have approved the project. The idea of a dedicated one cent sales tax increase has been floated to be dedicated funding for the project. But the General Assembly will have to approve a bill allowing Charlottesville voters to decide on whether to impose it. I really, really hope that uh, if we go through with it, that the sales tax comes through and, and frees us from this burden. Later in the meeting, commissioners discussed several potential recommendations. One of them was whether to recommend increasing the amount for affordable housing. Here's what's in the proposed capital improvement program. $3 million for the Charlottesville Redevelopment and Housing Authority in fiscal year 23, and $9 million in the out years. A base of $925,000 a year into the Charlottesville Affordable Housing Fund. $900,000 a year to the CRHA to administer additional housing vouchers. And $2.5 million for the second phase of Friendship Court. In March, Council adopted an affordable housing plan that set an ambitious spending target for each year, as noted by Rory Stolzenberg. You know, its recommendations are pretty clear. It's $10 million a year, $2 million are tax relief, a million is administration. So it's really $7 million in, in direct subsidy. Um, and that's all on page 49 of the plan for reference. At the end of the meeting, commissioners did make a recommendation. Here's what they've directed staff to do, and we'll see what staff comes up with. Recommended that the parking structure funding be reduced to the minimum amount necessary to satisfy Charlottesville's commitment to provide parking for Albemarle County, per a 2018 agreement related to the joint general district court that will soon be under construction. Recommended reallocating more funds for tree planting, new sidewalks, and bicycle infrastructure, as well as hazardous tree removal. Recommended reducing funds going towards economic development strategic initiatives, small area plans, and strategic investment area implementation. Recommended full funding of a request for the Stribling Avenue sidewalk project that Southern Development has agreed to pay up front as part of a rezoning that Council will consider in early 22. Recommended exploration of ways to add enhancements to the Drury-Brown Bridge on West Main Street to honor the bridge builders, potentially using a portion of funds for the West Main Streetscape. And increase budget for the Charlottesville Affordable Housing Fund and find ways to fund housing requests that were requested but not included in the draft budget. This might possibly include directing any budget surpluses for the purpose. On Monday, City Council will hold the first of two readings on a proposal to reallocate the $5.5 million surplus from fiscal year 21 to employee compensation and bonuses. They'll also consider the transfer of $6.7 million in cash from a COVID reserve fund into the Capital Improvement Plan Contingency Fund. Stay tuned. And that's it for this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement. Thank you so much for listening. There was a lot to get together in this one, but then again, there's a lot of things that go into budgets and comprehensive plans and rezonings and just frankly, all of it. And the purpose of Charlottesville Community Engagement is to try to stay on top as much of it as possible. And of course, that's what you guys are doing by supporting it. You can support it just by listening to it, sending it on to somebody else. But of course, you can also get involved 
by signing up through Patreon. Uh, there's lots of ways and lots of tiers to get through there. Of course, the big thing is that if you do subscribe through Substack, the company Ting will match your first contribution, which is really fantastic. And if you look in the newsletter, there are some details about how you can sign up through Ting uh, and potentially get your second month for free, a gift card, and some other things. The details are in the newsletter. One day, I'm going to write this copy down, I swear. But for now, it's time to get ready to write the next installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement because this one is certainly at the end. Again, thanks for listening. In the meantime, stay safe and stay informed. 